you're listening to the Down East Mike Podcast, the quirky little podcast from Maine. And now, your host, Down East Mike. Dee 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 dee. Good morning, everybody. This is Down East Mike of the famous, world famous Down East Mike Podcast, coming to you live from Down East Maine, a cold, wet, and uh, dismal, almost summer day is on its way here and uh, if you're on vacation in vacation land you're in for a bit of a surprise it's like 41 degrees out there just about on the verge of snowing this is down east mike episode number 91 news and commentary for june 6 2023 and our motto if you're new to the program is some of this is whimsy some of it is true and the interpretation of it all is entirely up to you. Well, Sunday, it's a Sunday podcast, June 6th. And we also asked, did you know that the Downey's Mike podcast contains no mean words, just wholesome goodness from Downey's Maine, a historical literary auditory candy store. And we asked, did you hear the bells on the door when you came in? That little preamble doesn't mean much. It's just to get me warmed up so I can speak a little. It's like doing arpeggio, so la, 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 la. Oh, boy. We had a lot of coffee, I think. So in the podcast today, we have Mount St. Helens Pops. And that was June 4th, 1980. Lobotomized for his own good. That's a story from 1974. You always need to know why you're being lobotomized, whether it's for your own good or not. Ad Rundown from 1972. There was a story from 1883 out of Portland, Maine. There's an apartment shortage. Wow, imagine that. 1883, no apartments in Portland. That's. We have the illness of the instant. We have some birthdays to recount to you. But first, let's look at the uh, world and international headlines the latest news, if you're just getting up, President Zelensky, almost sounds like he's president of the U.S., uh, Ukraine is ready to launch a counteroffensive. Out of India, uh, they vow punishment over a deadly Odisha crash. China defends buzzing the American warship in the Taiwan Strait accuses U.S. of provoking Beijing, a very provocative country. It's malpractice to allow Biden to run in 2024, a doctor says. Former WWE star takes DNA test to prove he's not Representative Boebert's father. That's good to know. Pixel targets light year execs among 75 job cuts. You only make a billion dollars or so for him. It's not enough. Anything else happening internationally? Gender-affirming care for minors being banned in Texas. DeSantis introduces himself to GOP voters in the first week of the campaign as war of words with Trump escalates. Just wake us up when that election's over, right? And, and nothing else, really. A New Hampshire veteran accused of calling in threat to kill sitting U.S. Senator. That's out of, uh, out of New Hampshire. Somebody with too much time on their hands. Main headlines. 
Wild weather brings lightning strikes and power outages after record heat. It went from like 92 down to 42 just overnight. Hollowell's Pride Parade carries on despite cold and rain. Can't kill pride. They, they know that. Uh, Solstice by the Sea. There's a summer celebration on Sears Island. A lot of sibilance there too. Um, what else do we have for... 40-year-old Brunswick man accused of driving wrong way on I-295. Now, I-295 is so dangerous that even if you're driving the right way, it's dangerous. Driving the wrong way just compounds that misery. And portions of the paper mill in Rumford evacuated after a chlorine gas buildup. And they always say, there's no harm, it dissipated. I wonder where it went. I think we should run from there. Let's just go to our illness of the instant. Oh dear, this is a filter changes folly. And this is not a common illness, filter changes folly. That's why it's the illness of the instant. It, it would come on very suddenly. Uh, this manifests itself when one is trying to change a whole house water filter that their young 500-pound deadlifting son last tightened. And that filter changes folly kicks in immediately when you realize that the filter cover cannot easily be removed. You can put a breaker bar on the plastic little nozzle there, and you're still, you can lean up against the stone wall, you can push against everything and just hope you don't break the pipe. And then the filter changing folly part kicks in when you realize you've, you've wrenched your neck and your arms, but you haven't wrenched the filter itself. So that's something to be aware of. It does exist out there. Treatment is rest and uh, staying away from any filter changing for at least a year or until your 500 pound deadlift and sun comes back to change it for you. Filter Changes Folly, the illness of the instant today on the Down East Mike podcast. Your life has much been enriched by that last uh, 90 seconds or so. Happy birthday today to Howard of Belgrade, who turns 35 years old. Howard's a carpenter. He fishes in his spare time. We probably had some more story on him, but it seemed like it petered it out. Raquel of Arundel is 90 90 years old. Happy birthday, Raquel. Her claim to fame is she was interviewed by a reporter from WCSH on a boat in Portland Harbor. And that was back in the summer of like 1985 or something. Not a lot of detail there either. Let's roll it back to 1974. There was a quote on top of the Lewiston Evening Journal. Heat, not a furnace for your foe so hot that it do singe yourself. And that's a quote from Shakespeare. I have no idea what that means or what context. Tuesday, June 4th, 1974, we had a story about the number of accidents for the month of April in Auburn. This is hard to get your head around. 37 persons were injured in 71 automobile accidents in the city of Auburn during the month of April. The injuries involved a total of 27 mishaps with property damage included in 44 of the overall total. Does that seem like a lot of car accidents in one city in Maine? 
April. Accidents involve six pedestrians and includes bicyclists, of which three were involved. One of these was not on a roadway. Two were crossing the street, and but not at an intersection or crosswalk. Age bracket, greatest number was 25 to 34 year old. Maybe that just means that was the most people driving. The 77 vehicles involved included 62 passenger cars, five trucks, three trailer trucks, one motorcycle, six other classifications. Driver inattention was listed as the most common contributing factor in the accidents with 18 in this classification. There were six accidents in which the driver had been drinking, five in which speed was listed as too fast for conditions, another four accidents in which excessive speed was the major factor. Oh, the time of day, Friday was the most accident-prone day. 18 of the total number of accidents were on Friday. 12 were on Saturday, 11 on Tuesday. On Fridays, the period between 2 and 7 p.m., appeared to be the time in which most of the crashes occurred. So if you could go back to this day, or the month of April 1974, chances are Friday afternoon between 2 and 7, you could have witnessed an accident if you wanted. Had a story here about a capitalist in Moscow. What's life like for a capitalist in Moscow? If he's the man from Chase, Manhattan, the first U.S. bank, to open an office in the Soviet Union is full of bourgeois comforts, among them a six-room apartment filled with expensive art and furniture in a chauffeur-driven Russian limousine. That capitalist, Alfred Wentworth, and his blonde wife, Nancy, live in an apartment building for foreigners which lies behind a row of Soviet apartments on Leninsky Boulevard. They've been in Moscow for a little more than a year. From outside, the newly remodeled life, light brick building looks no different from other foreigners' complexes, and neither do its shabby halls. But inside the Wentworth's apartment, the difference is striking. Remodeled from four Soviet apartments, the home takes up two-thirds of a floor, much larger than the apartments of most other foreigners. It was done over by a New York architect and furnished by a New York interior designer. The furniture is warm green with gold shades in the living room and bright colors in the two bedrooms and guest room, and they all came from a New York store. Paintings from the bank's collection in the United States line the walls. Uh, let's see, uh, Chase Bank picked up the cost of renovating this place. Many Americans in Moscow feel Chase Manhattan and Wentworth have received privileged treatment from the Soviets because of keen Kremlin interest in the bank's heavy financial involvement with U.S. firms doing business in Moscow. Chase is the best setup among the banks here, acknowledged a diplomat who works with American businessmen. Bank of America and First National Citibank also have offices in Moscow. For their part, Nancy and Al Wentworth are lavish in their praise for what they say is a definite improvement in Soviet-American relations. Everything has been pluses, Nancy Wentworth said. Everything is on the up. There's a much nicer feeling than when we came. 
We didn't understand them, the Soviets, and they didn't understand us. Commenting on his position as the first American banker in Moscow, Wentworth said, It's a pioneering job, a great kick. There's a psychic reward feeling you've been an influence for better in relations. And it goes on and on about it. Uh, Nixon was over there at the same time meeting up with them. They were starting to get things going with the with the Russians. Uh, prison officials are fielding protest over a lobotomy. This is our lobotomy story. This is out of Carson City, Nevada. Prison officials are fielding protest over the lobotomy ordered for an inmate who spent more than seven years in isolation and went blind before his release after 33 years behind bars. But Warden Ed Pogue of the Nevada State Prison said Monday, the treatment given Eugene Austin now in a convalescent home is no longer in use as many of the objectors believe. Pogue said one person wrote, what kind of animal are you? Then the warden added, we had been concerned about Austin too. We had been trying for a couple of years to get him released. Austin, 51, was sentenced to life in prison in 1941 at age 18 for killing a woman during a shooting spree. Records show he was constantly involved with fights with both inmates and prison guards and underwent a prefrontal lobotomy in 1953 in an effort to control his violence. Prison officials said the surgery was completed with Austin's acquiescence. By the time he was released in May 28th, Austin had spent more time in the state prison than any other inmate. More than seven years of that time was in a darkened isolation cell. His blindness was brought on by the time spent in isolation and by injuries suffered in prison brawls, officials have said. He was rough. He was the strongest man I have ever seen, said Art Bernard, the uh, warden, when surgeons performed the lobotomy that left Austin subdued and docile. Asked whether he had any reservations about the medical decision to give Austin a lobotomy, Bernard replied, none at all. It was done in his best interest. So lobotomies. Uh, Austin, let's see, he said it was unfortunate Austin received a lobotomy, but that was the state of things at that time. Mental hospitals and prisons were using them. This was an acceptable thing at the time it occurred. 1974. Well, there was some entertainment going on. Let's see, you had the movies uh, A Touch of Class. I don't know that one. Academy Award winner Glenda Jackson. John Voight in Conrack. Billy Jack was in the theaters. Butch Cassidy in the Sundance Kid. And at the Holiday Inn in Brunswick Cook's Corner, The Flares, also known as Harry Hubcap and the Oil Slicks. And they're doing songs of the 50s. And then they had the band, uh, let's see, Nightlife. It was the Counts in High Rider at the Roundhouse Lounge in Auburn. No cover charge and no minimum. What a great time to be alive, huh? 1972, we found this ad in Life magazine. How to pick the best color portable from Sears or anyone else. It's all about this color TV, a 19-inch diagonal measured picture. That's when they started that diagonal business. And it goes on and on about uh, getting your first color TV. 
and they had the pricey about two starting at two hundred and twenty dollars for color TV 1972 and we had an ad from uh, American Motors and this was uh, uh, featuring their cars the Ambassador the Hornet the Gremlin a Javelin, a Matador, and a Sportabout. And I remember seeing a Javelin and a Matador and a Gremlin all around the same time. Very distinctive styling. Uh, Popular Mechanics made that statement in their new car issue saying that uh, the best put together cars out of Detroit this year may come out of Wisconsin. That's where American Motors makes them. American Motors. Rather than spend a lot of money on new chrome gimmicks and gadgetry, we set out to produce cars as defect-free as man and machine could possibly make them. What was the demise of American Motors? Was it the gremlin that killed, did them in? Uh, I don't know if those cars are still on the road or not. We found an ad for Cool from Cool Cigarette, Cool Filter Kings. It's a little sailboat. It's got a little uh it looks like styrofoam never a rough puff not with the taste of extra coolness in cools and now for more smooth sailing we're offering you the world's most popular sailboat the sea snack snack ordinarily you'd pay about 120 dollars for this portable unsinkable 11 foot sailboat but you can get it from cool for only 88 dollars delivered and one cool carton and flap. You need a Bank AmeriCard or Master Charger acceptable as well. Go so go get cool and stay cool with the sea snack and the only cigarette with a taste of extra coolness. Cool. And I knew somebody that had one of those boats. I think they saved up all their box tops. I don't know how well it sailed, but it's a pretty little boat. That was in 1972. 1980, uh, Mount St. Helens had erupted, and it claimed a victim on Tuesday of that of that week. The mountain vibrated anew in a series of strong harmonic tremors, similar to those recorded before and after a major ash eruption, May 25th. Uh, Jose Diaz of Stockholm, California, died in the Oregon. Uh, burn unit at Emanuel Hospital in Portland, Oregon. He was one of four men working in a tree thinning crew on the north side of the mountain when it erupted with savage force May 18th. That was a scary thing, that, that stuff. The mountain uh, was shooting plumes of steam to altitudes of 14,000 feet, several thousand feet higher than it had for several days. I remember that was uh, went right across the country, of course, right? Heavy ash. Mount St. Helens. On this day in 1883, the uh, advertiser out of Cumberland County, the advertiser says there's a great scarcity of tenements in Portland, particularly such as command a rental of $150 to $200 per year. And so 1883, there's a shortage of housing in Portland. No change. The advertiser says Detective Wigan had an interview with Roger Amiro, the accused murderer in Digby Jail, Friday. Must be Digby, Nova Scotia. The prisoner told the same story of his movements on the trains from Gloucester home, but denied having a ticket in Portland. 
Detective Wiggins said, Did you not buy a ticket for Augusta at the Boston and Maine transfer station near Portland? No, sir. You had a ticket from the Boston and Maine transfer station in your pocket. Where did you get it? The prisoner seemed confused, but gave no satisfactory answer. He did not deny having a ticket. When asked why he paid $10 to get to the depot in Portland, he replied that it was on account of his father's sickness. His mother had written to him, and when he left Boston, he intended to go back in a few days and work on Johnson's farm. Uh, what else do we have from that time? The, the press says Saturday afternoon about 4 o'clock a sad accident occurred on the Portland and Og, Ogdensburg Railroad at the gravel pit near Sebago Lake. I've been there. The gravel train had started from the pit to return to Portland. Patrick Graney, 19 years of age, one of the workmen, when the train started, he ran, attempted to jump aboard. His foot slipped and he fell under the car and then... They describe it in graphic detail. He was taken to the main general hospital and the limb was amputated. Uh, the press says that the schooner James Beckworth arrived at Portland on Saturday with 3,300 live lobsters, but who's counting? And schooner Ocean Bird cleared for Lockport, Nova Scotia with clam bait valued at $4,123. Lockport had a good basketball team back in the day. Uh, the press says camp of the Order of the Golden Cross was instituted at Knightville last Thursday evening. Eighteen charter members were initiated. The meeting adjourned over to Wednesday evening when the camp will organize by election of officers. Now, do you get a little bit apprehensive when you hear initiation and camp in the same sentence? Uh, the journal says two salmon have been captured in the Kennebec thus far this season. One was taken at Woolwich and the other one in Merry Meeting Bay. Even then, not too many salmon in the river. Story out of Warren. Alice Skinner of Warren, nine years old, nearly lost her life by swallowing a pin. Two doctors succeeded in three days in getting it out of her throat. I would imagine by about the third day, Alice was ready to be done with that pin too. The commercial says Dr. Sanger of Bangor is kept at his house by sickness. He pricked his right thumb on Thursday while operating on a diseased hand. The thumb commenced to swell Friday morning before midnight, involved the whole hand and wrist with excruciating pain. And there the story ends. Pricked his right thumb Thursday, operating on a diseased hand. Whose hand was he operating on? How did this all end up? We don't know. Uh, the Sentinel says, Bears are numerous and troublesome in Lubeck and Trescott. Numerous and troublesome bears. Standing room only in the city park on Sunday evening. No idea what was going on there. Uh, several of the Auburn shoe factories are taking account of stock. In other words, doing inventory. The Auburn Street Commissioner is laying 500 feet of sewer pipe on Auburn Heights. And the unoccupied store in Dominican Block has been leased for two years and will be occupied as a furniture store and warehouse by Price and Gilmont. What else do we have from that time? Uh, the main central passenger car on the lower route, morning train to Lewiston, goes into the repair shop Tuesday for renovation and painting. 
What a glamorous time to have trains going every day from Auburn to Lewiston. The Cheese Factory at Leeds Center will turn out its first cheese on June 11th. The people are expecting no little benefits from the new firm. It has an enterprising backing and the direct manufacture of cheese will be in the hands of a competent master of the art. There was a 10-mile race between the bicycle and a horse at the trotting park on Saturday afternoon. It was easily won by the horse in 52 minutes, leading a mile and a half at the close. A large crowd turned out at the race. A challenge for another trial of bicycle versus horse has been issued. There was a contract for fitting the steam apparatus into the Lewiston High School. It was awarded to Smith and Sabin out of Lewiston for $1,175. The specifications demand, among other things, first-class work, a heat-guaranteed sufficient, radiators wherever necessary, and bronzed piping throughout the building. The firm has already given the order for a 20-horsepower boiler for the steam supply. The work will be commenced as soon as the school is closed for vacation. A number of bids were received. A bid of 1,183 was received with the promise that no indirect radiators would be used. Isn't that something, 1883? A very bold attempt at horse thieving was made in Lewiston on Monday afternoon. A team belonging to B.H. Scribner, hired at noon Monday, was standing on Lincoln Street. The drivers of the team were in a neighboring store, and the horse was unhitched. Two roughs saw the team without a visible owner, and jumping in, drove down the street pell-mell for Lisbon. The loss was not discovered for several minutes after its disappearance. The police were notified by telephone, and word was sent to Lisbon with orders to stop the stolen team. The team was stopped, and the occupants arrested by Officer Miles of Lisbon at about 3.30 p.m. and at 4.30 was delivered to its owner. So the interesting thing there was that crime was being stopped by telephone in 1883 in Lisbon, Maine, Auburn, Maine. Uh, three boys in the Barker Mill District maliciously threw stones at a farmer on Saturday, and at night the municipal judge of Auburn was summoned from his retirement to issue warrants for their arrest. Two of the boys were found Sunday, the other was not. He has disappeared from home and up to present has not been found. His mother has been in a state of great nervous excitement. The two boys, whose names are John Chippendale and James McCarty, were before the court on Monday morning. Judge Dresser found the case of a trivial nature. No one was injured. Chippendale pleaded guilty, however, and was fined his share of the cost. McCarty denied, stood for trial. The evidence was not sufficient to hold him. He was discharged. The missing boy, whose name is Harrison, is believed to be somewhere in Lisbon. I think the remarkable takeaway of this story is that three boys were actually outside in 1883 and they had the energy to throw stones at a farmer. Uh, Duncan C. Ross has accepted the challenge issued by John Sullivan, the boxer, for 100 or 150 yards running race and the contestants are carrying a man weighing 150 pounds on their shoulders. We don't know who won that race, but we thought it was interesting. We looked up Duncan Ross, never heard of him.
He lived from 1856 to 1919. He was a wrestler in the 1880s. He lost to Ketches Ken style wrestling champion Edwin Bibby in 1881 for the American Heavyweight Championship. So Duncan Ross was a famous Scotch athlete. He was the Cornish wrestling champion of New Zealand. He fought in a mixed style challenge matches, including Cornish wrestling in the U.S. in the 1890s. And he also claimed the all-around championship at wrestling and weight throwing. And then we read a little bit further and said he was a great fibber. So you don't know what you can believe there. Uh, found an ad for traveling from Europe to America was $21. And it, by the national line was the boat. Only $20 all booked to Portland. And then it was a dollar extra to go to Lewiston. So you make it all the way across the Atlantic and it cost you an extra buck to get to Lewiston. Well, uh, let's get to Maine's wishful plant. I think this is not even an honorary plant or, or plant of the moment type thing, but when it's 41 degrees in June, you start thinking about, you know, you watch, start watching Magnum reruns and you're thinking about things southern and warmth again because you got the heat back on. Uh, but we looked at a little story about cactuses. They make excellent ideal house plants and you can grow them in Maine they actually grew them and they import from California and then export out of Maine I, I don't know how they made money on it but uh, succulents are ideal house plants aside from their interesting shapes they require only minimal care spend a month in Florida this winter and your succulent plants will thrive on the neglect the dry air of many homes in winter make a, a uh, Shafira gasp for water, but jade plants and other succulents feel right at home, and pests find a formidable barrier in the thick skins of succulents. All cactus species originally confined to the Americas because of ocean boundaries. With human intervention, cultivation spread. A hundred years ago, cactus growing became such a rage in Europe that the loss of native cactus from Mexico had to be curbed with a law banning their export. At the end of the 18th century, the Opuntia cactus was transplanted to Australia in order to feed the Cornelia bug, a source of red dye used for the British redcoats. The cactus found too congenial a home in Australia and by 1925 had taken over and rendered useless 60 million acres. In one of the great success stories of biological control, a painstaking search revealed a moth which kept the Opuntia cactus within bounds in Argentina. The moth was introduced into Australia and the land once again became useful. Isn't that something? Did you know that? Uh, so Maine... Vermont and New Hampshire are the only states that don't have a native cactus. Uh, at first blush, every cactus might look the same, a torpedo with spines, but next time you see cactus for sale, look more closely at the variety of shapes of stems and the color of the spines. The families involved in morphology and use take, for example, the small button-shaped Lophophora willemisei, this cactus, called Piotl by the Aztecs, is the source of the hallucinogenic drug mescaline. 
it just goes on and on about the cactus. Uh, there's a moon cactus, and there's visual oddities. The old man cactus has a shaggy covering of long, hoary hair. The lamb's tail cactus has slender stems which seem to pour out from the swollen root that protrudes above the sole line. Now, cactus are native only to the Americas. It was 60 million years ago, the lush tropical climate of Western America changed as mountains pushed upwards and drew water from air currents blowing off the ocean. In the desert that formed on the lee side of the mountains, a cactus family evolved with the adaptations for parched growing conditions, thick stems for water storage, uh, a giant Seguro cactus of Arizona can store 500 gallons of water. There's a lack of leaves, which reduces the surface area of water loss, and waxy coatings to keep water within the plant. To fend off thirsty and hungry animals, some species develop spines, just like people. You know, one other little piece here. 35 species of cactus ranging from the pipe organ and sagoro to the 6-inch high fish hook flourish in the Oregon Pipe Cactus National Monument in Arizona. The king of American cactus, the sagoras, grow as tall as 50 feet and draw up water by the ton. They live as long as 200 years, almost as long as this podcast. Let's look at the weather forecast and we're going to get out there and enjoy the, the rainy day. Uh, actually, I think it's just rain forever. So it's f- currently 43 degrees, fogging, misting, rain likely, rain likely all day, cloudy. Uh, north wind around 15, gusting as high as 25. Uh, for Monday, showers likely mainly before 11, then cloudy with a high near 57. Um... I guess I'll just say the next time the sun comes out looks like Friday. We're partly sunny with a high near 65. Otherwise, it's just going to rain. Well, that's our Down East Mike podcast for today. Until next time, this is Down East Mike wishing you and your loved ones a day that is full of grace, love, and kindness. We'll see ya. Cool.
shore. The sun gives us strength, and the water gives us more. Gives us more. As we write the story, and we know the ending, sea roses in the wind on the coast of Maine. In the wind.